Welcome back to the MicroConf Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Walling, and today is a MicroConf Tactics episode where we pull the audio from one of our amazing YouTube videos. This one's called Bootstrapped Versus Funding, which is better for your startup. And realistically, you may have already made up your mind about bootstrapping versus raising funding, but I talk about the pros and cons. I talk about indie funding, things like tiny seed, and other options. It's not actually as much of a dichotomy between bootstrapping and funding anymore. There are a lot of mostly bootstrapped and barely funded companies running around. Before we dive into that, tickets for MicroConf US in Atlanta next April 2024 are on sale. This event will sell out if you're thinking about coming to Atlanta April 21st through the 23rd to see me co-host this event with Leanna Patch and to see speakers like myself, Rand Fishkin, and several others head to microconf.com slash US to grab your ticket before they sell out. We had an amazing event just a few months ago in Denver, and I expect the event in Atlanta to be no different. So microconf.com slash US to grab your ticket today. And with that, let's dive into bootstrapped versus funding, which is better for your startup. A few years ago, as my SaaS company grew to millions in revenue, I was faced with a major challenge. I didn't have enough cash to hire the employees I needed to properly run and grow the company. I faced a big decision. It was one that could change the course of the company forever and one that I couldn't undo once I had made the decision. The decision was whether to raise funding or to continue bootstrapping drip. Raising funding is such a big decision because it's one that you can't easily undo or back out of later. And when I talk to founders and they're thinking through whether they should bootstrap or raise venture or raise funding from a more independent source like Tiny Seed, I tell them each of us has to make this decision for ourselves because it is such a big decision. But to think about it this way, in your personal life, money saves you hours and in your business, money saves you years. So I agonized over this decision for months, probably close to a year. And in a few minutes, I'm gonna tell you what I ultimately decided and why. And if you stick around to the end of this video, I'm also gonna give you an option for raising money that doesn't involve selling any equity. So here's how to think about funding these days. It used to be all bootstrapped versus venture-backed, but now there are other options. There's this term Alt-VC or indie funding that accelerators like Tiny Seed and funds like Indie.BC invest where it's not venture-track funding. So really these days I think about it in three buckets. There's bootstrapping, which is raising no outside funding. There's venture capital, which is the traditional Silicon Valley approach where you want to become a billion-dollar company, a unicorn as they say. These days it's a decacorn, and you do that at all costs and you are raising every 18 months. And then this third option we can call Indie funding, or I've heard it called Alt-VC. And again, that's an option to where you can raise some money, but without the expectation that you're going to continue to raise or set your sights on becoming a billion dollar company. The issue with raising venture funding is it's institutional money and they want a 3x or more return over 10 years. And so they are looking for these outlier outcomes. And if you can't become a billion dollar company, in general, they don't want to write you a check. And I have what I call Rob's 1990 rule. This is where I think around 1% of tech startups should consider raising venture, around 9% should consider raising indie funding, and around 90% should bootstrap or self-fund. 
There are a few loose rules I have, or rules of thumb perhaps, that you can implement in your own decision-making process. Even within bootstrapping, there are two types of founders. There's lifestyle bootstrappers that just want to milk as much profit out of their company as they can, but don't want to work very hard. Maybe they want to travel. Maybe they want to minimize the number of hours they work and they aren't maximizing for growth, they're maximizing for profit. If you're a lifestyle bootstrapper in general, you probably don't want to raise because it's going to disrupt your four-hour work week. If you're what I call an ambitious bootstrapper, which is where you've been bootstrapping and you want to sell for 10, 20, 50 million dollars, that's where money will save you years in your business. That's where I would consider raising, as I had to a few years ago. And these days the options are even more ubiquitous and I would say more founder friendly. And of course, if you want to build a very large, fast-growing startup to a billion dollars, $10 billion, obviously you're going to look at the venture path. I say all of this as someone who has started six companies myself. Five of them were bootstrapped. One of my companies was acquired by a venture-funded company with $38 million in venture funding, and I worked there for about two years. So I've been on the bootstrap side, I've been on the funded side, and I feel like I have a pretty unique perspective that I can lend in terms of the trade-offs of bootstrapping, indie funding, and venture funding. I've talked to a few founders who have raised funding, who used to be bootstrappers, and now they're what I call mostly bootstrapped, where they're not on the venture track, but they did raise some money. And Craig Hewitt, the founder of Casto, said on raising money, money allows you to hire more senior roles than you could afford as a bootstrapper, especially when it comes to sales and development. Senior folks are always more effective than their junior counterparts. Funding has allowed us to live in the future in that respect. So that's one advantage of raising funding. But now let's look at the pros and cons of bootstrapping. So bootstrapping is simple. You maintain full control. Your capitalization table or the ownership percentages remain very simple. You don't need anyone's permission. You can run a company for decades and you can take out the profits. The cons are it really is hard mode. You're going to move slower. You're going to have a lack of, let's say, mentorship and a lack of an instant network that you would get from raising funding. And not having money can absolutely and will absolutely hamper your growth. I've experienced it firsthand and I've seen it with bootstrapping friends of mine. And finally, it's difficult or impossible to bootstrap certain types of businesses. Like you couldn't have built Amazon, Uber, Google, Facebook, SpaceX, Tesla. There are several types of companies that you just can't build on their own revenue. Now let's look at the pros and cons of raising venture capital, and then we'll take a look at indie funding. So the benefit of venture capital is that you have enormous resources because you raise millions or tens of millions of dollars. It allows you to move very fast. It allows you to attack very competitive markets and to get there quickly. VC, which is the abbreviation for venture capital, is most appropriate in these land grab or winner take all markets. And in fact, I would say there are, it's almost a necessity in those types of spaces. As Craig Hewitt said, you can hire more senior people early, meaning not only can you move faster, but you take pressure off yourself. I know personally that the dollar amounts and the stakes that I'm dealing with running Tiny Seed today far outweigh anything I did with Drip, but I was so stressed at Drip all the time about money about being able to make payroll, about being able to make that next hire. And these days with Tiny Seed, since we raised $42 million in funding to invest in startups, I have a lot more leeway to be able to hire senior people and move faster. In addition, you don't have to waste mental cycles worrying about small expenses. I could go on about the stories where I would work on a weekend to optimize our hosting bill to save $300, $400 a month because it made a difference. And if you raise venture, you don't have to worry about these small dollar amounts. In addition, you get an instant network and you get advisors because you have investors and you have their other portfolio companies. And you can build incredible relationships very quickly just by being part of that group or of that cohort of companies. 
And finally, you do get some market credibility. Whether you make it to the front of TechCrunch or not, if you have venture investors that are known throughout the world, like Sequoia or Andreessen Horowitz, that shows you are one of an elite few founders who has received funding from them. And it is a nice signal that you can take with you to customers and to the market. Competition for great talent is more challenging than ever. Almost every startup I know struggles to hire fast enough to keep up with demand. In order to hire faster, you need a trusted source of pre-vetted candidates. Lemon.io is that source. They have an extensive network of engineers from Europe and Latin America, and every candidate has been tested and interviewed by their team. You're probably wondering, how is this different from hiring on your own? Number one, you can have an engineer who can start working within a week instead of months. Number two, you don't waste your time on unqualified candidates. Number three, you'll have easy access to global talent without going through dozens of job boards. And number four, it's more affordable than hiring local talent. So if you need to expand your engineering team or delegate some of your engineering work, use Lemon.io. We have a special discount for fans of MicroConf. Visit Lemon.io slash MicroConf to receive a 15% discount for the first four weeks of working with a developer. That's Lemon.io slash MicroConf. And then the drawbacks of venture, of course, are that it often kills good businesses because you must aim to be a unicorn or bust. It's growth at all costs, and you can often spend money foolishly where you don't have product market fit yet, but you raised all this money and so you have to hire. And I've seen companies just thrash around and burn through millions or tens of millions in funding before they were able to get their flywheel going. Another drawback people often talk about is this loss of control. Sometimes you don't retain full control of your company. Sometimes there's a veto right on taking certain actions let's say selling your company or making an acquisition or certainly taking money out of the company is something that VCs are not going to want you to do. So if you want to build a profitable company where you're going to draw out dividends, this is not the approach to take. And finally, boards and board meetings. Some people love them. Most people who bootstrap really don't want someone looking over their shoulder. They feel like they have a boss. And then lastly, let's look at indie funding or alt-VC or third-wave funding, whatever the term is that you use for indie.vc and tiny seed. The pros of this avenue is there are lower growth expectations than in venture. And you maintain a lot of optionality. It buys you time to figure out if you're going to be a base hit or a home run. You don't take any options off the table. I guess you can't truly go back to bootstrapping, but you could grow that company and take profits off the table. You could raise venture funding later. You could raise more indie funding. You could raise more funding from angel investors while still not jumping on the venture track. And lastly, of course, one of the big benefits is the advice, the mentorship, and the community depending on who you take funding from. The cons, of course, are lower valuations than venture. In order for this model to work, indie funds are not the cheapest money. Venture will give you higher valuations, but they have this unicorn or bust mentality. And so with indie funding, you probably will get a lower valuation, but then you can exit at a lower valuation. This type of funding only supports certain ideas. It is a cheat code or a way to speed up your progress, but you're probably not going to start Uber or Facebook without venture funding. And lastly, there just aren't as many funding options as venture. You know, if we imagine there are hundreds or a few thousand venture capital firms in the world, there's only a handful of indie funding options. So to wrap up the thought process, if you want to grow fast, you want to get huge, raise venture. If you want to be in complete control, even if it's harder, you're going to want to bootstrap. And if you want to be in the middle and take some funding to make the journey easier, maybe help you move faster without the expectation of a huge exit, then indie funding just might be for you. 
So to wrap up my story with Drip, what did I do? Did I raise funding? We were right on the edge. I was gonna raise a single round with no plans to ever raise venture. But what happened instead is we received inbound offers, interest to buy the company. And it was a big decision point of whether to take investment and go for another two, three, four years or to sell the company. And since I was able to sell it for a life-changing amount that meant I never have to work again, that was the decision we made. In a minute, I'm going to tell you about a fourth option that you may want to consider. But before I do that, applications for TinySeed, our accelerator, are open September 4th through the 17th. So if my calendar is correct, that's tomorrow. Head to tinyseed.com apply if you are interested in the right amount of funding, amazing world-class mentorship for bootstrap SaaS founders, and a community unlike any you've ever been a part of. TinySeed.com apply if you're interested in learning more, being notified when applications are open, or in submitting your application. So the fourth type of funding is something that's only really come about over the last five or six years, and it's debt funding or RBF. Now, obviously, debt has existed for a long time, but revenue-based financing that is one-click simple, I'm not sure it's actually that, but it approaches one-click simple. If you have recurring revenue, there are an abundance of funds that do this now. And if you just Google RBF for SaaS or revenue-based financing, it can be a nice way to raise funding if you have traction. Now, normally, you need at least $15,000 in MRR and oftentimes it's higher than that. And they'll allow you to borrow, let's say three months or six months of that revenue base. And so it can be a way to cover short-term cash crunches. It's certainly not a way to raise several hundred thousand dollars, much like you'd be able to do from the options I talked about in this video. But it is an option that allows you to put some money in your bank account without selling equity. The obvious drawbacks, of course, are A, sometimes you have to sign a personal guarantee to personally guarantee the loan. And it, even with those that don't, they do take a percentage of your top line revenue. And so you're gonna be pulling cash out of the business at a time when you need it most to support your growth. 